0: Welcome back for another episode of The Break Room. I'm your host, Morgan Hensley, and in this episode, we're examining cybersecurity and compliance. While healthcare is a frequent target for cybersecurity breaches, the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated these threats even more so. We'll explore ways for smaller or independent practices to safeguard patient-sensitive health data, analyze the impact of telehealth and working from home on cybersecurity measures, Examine the promise and the potential problems of trends in cybersecurity and compliance, and much, much more. Here with me to discuss these vital issues is Paul Schinnenberger, Senior Vice President of IT Operations and Chief Information Security Officer at Privia Health. Paul has worked as a healthcare technology executive in both large medical groups and hospital systems for more than a decade, overseeing information security and technology. Prior to working in healthcare, he served as a senior engineer and architect for several Fortune 100 companies, including GE, Microsoft, and Merrill Lynch. So with that, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the break room, Paul. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. Healthcare is a prime target for bad actors and data breaches. I'm wondering, why is this industry such a common target, and which practices are the most vulnerable? Thanks for having me today, Morgan. I think this is a
1: really important topic for anyone in healthcare, particularly independent providers who are running their own business. Healthcare is a primary target because as health systems have gotten more complex and more sophisticated, they've, you know, increased their investments in information security, which makes them harder and harder targets to attack. And what the hackers and the bad actors out there have discovered is that, you know, mid-sized business, small business, particularly in healthcare, is a ripe target with very few information security controls and very few of the important practices that are safeguarding larger health systems. So they're a really good target for these bad actors because they can know they can get in and get out and quickly get the data and maybe not even be recognized ransomware is increasingly being paid out so they're really focused on these small and mid-sized enterprises where they can have a quick target and you get a lot easier access to systems because of lack of process
0: while we're on the topic of ransomware, I want to discuss a ransomware alert put out in October of 2020 by the FBI, Department of Health and Human Services, and other federal entities that that warned of increased ransomware activity in healthcare and public health. How may have the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated healthcare's existing uh, cybersecurity issues that you noted?
1: Sure. So I think, I think with COVID-19, we've seen a lot of changes in how people work. Uh, We've seen an unprecedented rise in working from home. A lot of industries, a lot of organizations weren't prepared for that. So even health systems where they have well-protected internal networks, now you have everyone going to work from home, creating a lot of opportunities where that home network now becomes part of the healthcare system and another easy target that these bad actors can target. What you have to re- remember about ransomware is these companies and these ransomware entities run like a business. Their motive is profit. So they're going to go out there and they're attempting to extract money from the system. And increasingly, people are paying those ransomware. The FBI doesn't even recommend not negotiate anymore. If you can simplify, you know, so we see an, a rise in these attacks because they're increasingly successful. We've also seen a rush to using uh, an increase in all sorts of different types of video conferencing services to facilitate remote visits during the COVID-19 pandemic with loosening of OCR's requirements for what types of systems needed to be used for video conferencing. We've seen contract tracing apps that have been developed for mobile devices. And we've seen, you know, and now with the vaccine scheduling, you know, there's, there's an additional grant of using consumer-based applications to schedule vaccines. And all of these things are great. They've driven activity in the health sector. They continue to drive innovation, but that innovation comes with new risks that are being exploited by bad actors.
0: It is truly Truly despicable uh, how how bad actors are exploiting a a pandemic. Um, But pivoting from ransomware for a minute, I want to talk about, uh, quote unquote, insider security threats. You know, often when we think of hackers, we picture someone in uh, fingerless gloves, pounding away at their keyboard and, uh, and hacking the mainframe. But the research shows that not only are, are insider security threats, whether accidental or intentional, more prevalent, uh, but also that the healthcare sector is one of the worst at stopping insider related breaches. So to start, what are insider threats and why is healthcare Uh, particularly impacted by them? IBM sponsors a data breach report
1: on an annual basis, and the typical industry has about a 35% rate of insider threats. Healthcare has a nearly 49% rate of insider threats. So it really, we continue to lead the industry in the cost per data breach. We continue to lead other industries in the percentage of insider threats. And I think it's a lot about how healthcare is very diversified. It's, ve- it's there's a lot less central controls in healthcare uh, where you have independent practices with their own processes and procedures, health systems with their own processes and procedures. And you have people who are have access to all sorts of vast troves of data. So whether it's simple carelessness or malicious intent, even the the average person has more access to data in healthcare in electronic medical records than you might find in other industries. And a lot of it is the way we facilitate healthcare in this country and how we deliver those services, but it creates a need for making sure that a practice has strong policies and procedures, that they have excellent training and education for their office staff, because ultimately it's those people on the front lines that are interacting with patients, interacting with the EMR, that could be your next security threat. Healthcare also has a broad segment of third parties that we interface with. So we share our data with a large number of people and we have a lot of different business associates who do work on our behalf. And each one of those is another area where you need to have the appropriate controls in place to make sure that some bad actor doesn't use those gaps to exfiltrate data.
0: So, given that uh, small or mid-size, uh, often independent medical practices are unfortunately frequent targets, what are some ways that providers and staff at these practices can uh, reassure patients that their health information is stored uh, in the electronic medical record or or, or EMR safely, and, and that other sensitive data is secure? Yeah, that's a great question, Morgan.
1: I think the first thing independent care centers need to do is really look at the importance of information security. That it's no longer, as a business owner of a medical practice, you can no longer just be focused on providing care. You need to consider information security. It is a continued rising threat and it affects more patients every year. So it's really important that A care center understands how to mitigate those threats and that they have a good partner that they can work with who understands the technology that will secure them. Having things like firewall and endpoint protection that protects against antivirus and ransomware and malware and crypto lockers. Making sure that workstations are all encrypted, so if they're lost or stolen, the patient data isn't lost making sure that servers are patched and updated with the latest security updates, making sure that you're not connecting you know, an unprotected laptop that contains uh, personal health information directly to the internet. So making sure that you do what any organization does when it comes to information security, and that's defense in depth, that there's multiple layers safeguarding that ePHI. And this can become absolutely overwhelming for an independent practice who was also trying to figure out, you know, the latest requirements in the HIPAA security rule, uh, changes being made to coding practices, trying to figure out how to deliver a large quantity of COVID-19 vaccine. So, you know, a lot of compassion for the challenges that independent providers face and information security is just another threat that has to be managed because it is affecting more and more patients. And there's so much reputational harm in having your EMR data stolen.
0: Your response calls to mind the idea that, uh, you know, nowadays care for patients isn't just clinical treatment and care management, uh, uh, but also protecting patients information. Given the importance, uh, as well as the challenge of cybersecurity, those smaller independent practices we were just talking about may consider a partnership or a, a vendor to reduce the, the complex, time-consuming, but incredibly vital administrative work so, uh, so that they can focus on the clinical side. I'm wondering then what options exist as far as partners or vendors go? And uh, to build on that, what factors uh, should practices consider when evaluating a potential partner?
1: Yeah, I I think information security is one of those areas that healthcare is underinvested in across all market segments. And it's going to take a combination of health systems, payers, managed service organizations, and independent care centers making investments in information security to continue to raise the standard and fend off the attackers that we're seeing and i think that partner relationships are critical to this you know for everyone in the industry but especially independent providers bringing in someone who is a subject matter expert who thinks about this stuff all day long and can take that burden is really important and i think it's important when looking for a partner that you don't just look for you know, the person that you've known for years down the street, you know, how large is their organization? Do, does their size organization match the scale of your own business? You know, do they understand not just technology, but do they understand healthcare? Can they advise on the difference between a business associate and a downstream business associate? Can they help you prepare for your security risk assessment that's required on an annual basis? Are they able to help you perform that security risk assessment? Do they understand all of the components of the HIPAA security rule? So I think partnering with somebody that truly has that healthcare expertise, you know, goes a long way in safeguarding your practice, not just from a technical control perspective, but also from a compliance control perspective.
0: Yeah, sticking with that notion of, of compliance, What are some of the tools that office managers at uh, those independent practices can employ to uh, not only satisfy requirements set by um, the Office of Civil Rights and and Department of Health and Human Services, but also uh, foster a culture of compliance?
1: Yeah, I I think first and foremost, the OCR and HHS have great resources on their website Uh, They have advisory on how to complete a security risk assessment. Uh, They have, you know, a summary of the HIPAA security rule in relatively plain language. So it's an invaluable resource to really understand and start your education. And then I think that there's a ton of great free resources out there that, you know, are available to office managers to really understand how important cybersecurity is. And I think it's a conversation with You know, the people in the office, from the providers to the check-in staff to the nurses and the medical assistants, that that cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility. If you see something, say something. If something doesn't look right, you know, escalate that up. But, you know, don't share passwords. Don't, you know, take the shortcut. Don't leave a patient in a room without locking the screen. And making sure that those security conversations are part of your daily office huddle that you're talking about the importance of security. You're talking about the importance of minimum necessary access.
0: Despite vulnerability to cyber threats and misuse, information technology, uh, IT, is a, a tremendous tool. Uh, so how can IT support and, and enhance the, the doctor-patient relationship?
1: Yeah, I think we've spent most of this podcast talking about the darker side of technology but i think that we can't miss how much it's empowered you know physician relationships and the modernization of healthcare i think from a physician perspective you know with the pandemic and pandemic restrictions you know telemedicine was a was a was a boon to help you know th- th- repair problems with schedules still be able to connect with patients in a new way and not lose out on revenue streams from a patient perspective it delivers what patients have expected uh, as a result of the consumerization of IT and moved all of that into healthcare in a rapid way and i think that the idea of being able to see your physician from a telemedicine perspective if you have anxiety or you know to simplify getting a refill of a prescription to you know reduce the need to be absent from work for a simple doctor's visit to reduce the strain on you know wait staff in the in the waiting room and eliminating those wait times you know physician schedules become more effective when telemedicine is part of it so we have the obvious benefit that we've seen through the pandemic but then there's also the research opportunities the ability to mine ehr data for trends to be able to have all of that information to collaborate you know, across health systems, across independent providers so the patient has a single chart in all of these different locations and, you know, you have a better insight into medication and medication compliance. So I think that healthcare has been transformed by technology. I think that we continue to evolve our relationship with it and cybersecurity and compliance is just one part of that evolution.
0: With all the necessary safeguards in place, IT will surely continue to revolutionize healthcare um, as telehealth, remote patient monitoring, and, uh, and devices connected via the, the internet of healthcare things, as these continue to gain traction, what steps should uh, the industry as well as medical practices take to guard against bad actors?
1: You know, I think start with the, I think there's an industry opportunity here. I think medical device vendors need to be much more stringent than they have been historically around the security of these devices that they're connecting to the internet. I think they need to publish lifecycle documents and say how long they're going to support these different items and that that support includes security updates and that they're not ended prematurely. I think on the provider side, making sure you select a good medical device vendor, making sure that you're asking them questions about how they safeguard information, what controls they have in place to protect that information, because the Internet of Things is a big target for bad actors. And there's a lot of weakness in these rapidly being developed consumer applications that don't go through some of the same rigor. And I think it's really important as you acquire these different types of medical devices, patient monitoring that you really understand the information security protocols that are in place to safeguard patients information and not just safeguard it from theft but safeguarding it from change or modification or even potentially, you know, using some of these internet connected medical devices to cause poor outcomes.
0: Uh, Paul, if you don't mind, could you please just expand a bit on those, um, those poor outcomes in medical devices you, you mentioned? Sure. I mean, we, we, with everything connected,
1: you know, imagine a pacemaker that has, you know, a Bluetooth connection, but there is a weakness in that Bluetooth protocol that you can now hijack that Bluetooth signal to send and modify the rhythm that that pacemaker is delivering to the patient. And that's not a theoretical attack. That's an attack that has been proven that is capable of being carried out. So as we connect everything, we have to understand what the impact of connecting everything truly is.
0: Wow. Well, that is absolutely terrifying and and certainly underscores the need for uh, robust cybersecurity measures. Um, earlier, you touched on, on how technology has expanded patients' access to their health information in their electronic health or electronic medical record. Uh, this, to me, calls to mind interoperability, which is making such tremendous strides. As transferring patient data becomes more seamless, what measures and precautions should different stakeholders, um, whether federal, uh, IT organizations, medical practices, Uh, all take to safeguard data while preserving uh, accessibility?
1: Yeah, I think we have the rise of a lot of different protocols. I mean, I think we have different industry groups. I think it would be helpful for the EMR vendors to continue to remove walls from interoperability. It's very difficult to move from one EMR vendor to another EMR vendor or to even exchange information. And I think that, you know, as the giants in our industry we definitely rely on them to make this data more interoperable and you know just looking at you know some of the the fire protocol or the other protocols that are out there there's more that EMR vendors can do to simplify this i think the federal government has a role to play as well i think the fact that we spend so much time on patient matching in healthcare because there is no unifying patient identi- identifier number is a big challenge for healthcare you know a, a big part of every project is well, how do you make how do you match patients to make sure you're talking about the same patient? Similarly, making sure that data entry practices and at the front end are incredibly tight, making sure that the date of birth is correct, that we're spelling names correctly because all of those things have an impact when you start to look at interoperability and you're trying to say, is John Smith born on March seventh of nineteen seventy three the same John W. Smith. So I think that that becomes really important as we think about the, the interoperability challenges facing healthcare.
0: Yeah, it, it's certainly gonna be exciting to watch interoperability grow and develop. Um, for my last question, you know, I wanna ask you about the future of cybersecurity and compliance. So what trends excite, or, or maybe even what trends worry uh, you the most uh, as we move forward? I think I'll start with what terrifies me the most,
1: and I think what terrifies me the most is one: the bad actors are better armed and better prepared, and are incredibly well funded. We're seeing an increase in state-sponsored attacks against healthcare data. I think you know, with the federal government's talking about weakening encryption standards and requiring backdoors. I think that that is a threat to all of us who rely on encryption to make sure our patient data is private and secure. So I I think that, you know, a rush to erode encryption protocols is, is a threat to all of us, particularly people with sensitive data like their healthcare data. I think what I'm excited about to see in the future is the continued growth of artificial intelligence and robotic process automation. I think we see a lot of exciting new applications for that across multiple industries. How it will revolutionize cybersecurity is the ability to go through large amounts of log data, find anomalous activity, and more rapidly identify it and respond to it. Today, that, that can be a semi automated process, but still requires a lot of human intervention. And when you think about the massive amount of data that healthcare produces, and there's a log for each one of those accesses and each one of those modifications and each one of those changes, it's almost impossible for a human to realistically identify the appropriate areas to focus their information security efforts on to identify these bad actors. Healthcare has the longest timeframe from a breach starting to the identification of that breach. So anything we can do to close that gap is exciting.
0: Well, there's certainly a lot to look forward to and, and to be wary of. Uh, as cybersecurity and compliance uh, evolve, I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, but, but thanks again so much for joining us on The Break Room today, Paul.
1: Thanks for having me, Morgan. It was a pleasure.
0: That concludes today's episode. Uh, a huge special thanks to our guest, Paul Schoenenberger, for joining us today, sharing his insights and expertise. Uh, and thank you to you, our listeners, uh, for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on all things healthcare. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed the episode, and I'll see you next month for another episode of The Break Room. Stay tuned.